Give me batty. the goods. What are the what's likely what's the likelihood, Mike, that mm. I'm gonna get a cave? <laughs> An actual cave cart? Um Evan wants caves, so I you're not gonna one. get them from him. But Ed. it's coming this way. Yeah. Right. Uh, what's the likelihood that I'm gonna pass you a cave? <laughs> right now. Very low. <laughs> <laughs> don't count on it. Don't count on it. I would say don't base your whole strategy around it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> all right, yeah. all right, all right. Let me see. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures that you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we set out with our trusty binoculars and other gear to exotic locales in hopes of finding Sasquatch. Next up, we get a grant with modest funding to hunt down beasts of myths and legend in Carnival of Monsters. And lastly, we're hustling homo sapiens as we elbow each other out of the way for prehistoric survival in Stone Age. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hi, guys. And Mike Grenier. Hello, hello. Hola. <laughs> Our first game up this week is Finding Sasquatch, designed by Bryce Pinder. Self-published in 2020, number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up, playtime 30 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us, what's in the box? Front and center of the box is a crafty Sasquatch looking pretty pleased with himself. He's surrounded by ambitious guides, apparently from the four corners of the earth and looking ready for the hunt. As you explore further, you'll find a player deck consisting of 60 cards, including guides, gear, and events, 18 Sasquatch cards with land, gear, and guides, and a tiny envelope to keep the Sasquatch info hidden. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we trudge out in search of a review, Evan, were you able to spot any rules along the forest line? I think I did, Celeste. <laughs> Let me share them with you in the audience. Finding Sasquatch is a card game in which you use your deductive reasoning skills to figure out which character would make the perfect guide figure out the right gear to use, and also figure out the correct terrain. There are six possible guides, six possible pieces of gear, and six types of land. One of each type is randomly chosen and slipped into the Sasquatch envelope. Players must figure out the correct combination. From the main deck of cards, which consists of all the guide types, all the gear types, and all the land types, players will start with four cards. A player can use their gear cards, and then they can draw a card and then perform two actions. Actions include playing a card, drawing a card, taking land, or searching for Sasquatch. No more than two guides and two gear cards can be played by any one player. Players can only have one land card played. Now, if you think you have the right cards played, then search. Look in the envelope, and you have to have all three cards correct. Otherwise, you're wrong, and the correct combination goes through a change. The game ends when a player finds Sasquatch or if Sasquatch escapes and everyone loses. Now get out there and don't give me no sass, Squatch. <laughs> that was a stretch. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Made it up on the fly. Nice. <laughs> well, you know, in just looking at the cover, I it felt really oddly retro. Doesn't it feel 
strangely retro to you. <laughs> yes. It's I think it's the bubblish font. Mm-hmm. Uh and certainly like there's a hippie on the cover and stuff, a piece. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And just the cartoony style of it seems sort of early 80s. I was going to say it reminds me of like an 80s Saturday morning cartoon kind of art. Right. Yeah, def- definitely late 70s for me, mm-hmm. early 80s. Yeah. And it has it in the design of this box and this art is the sort of wornness mm-hmm. to it. You know, it seems worn. It looks like it's been used. Mm-hmm. But it's actually brand new. We opened it <laughs> brand new, bought it new. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a brand new thing. It was kicked out last year. And, and um, yeah, it, it had a kind of a graphic design that kind of feels like very um, simple. Simple, retro, distressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was interesting. I think the cover might be the most interesting thing I thought about this game. I, I thought that was the most <laughs> interesting element to it. Um, so let's find out what's inside. Uh, what kind of game is this, Ed? Oh, it's a basic deduction game. You know, you have to figure out, you know, where is Sasquatch? And then you have to get the three elements of its location correct. And if you're going to equate it to any game, I think Clue comes to mind. Yeah, it kind of does because it has the little hidden envelope in there with the, you know, the cards. You have to try to figure out what cards are in that envelope in a way. Yeah, except for unlike Clue, it's not like... Oh, I guessed the wrong one and I'm out and the game is over. It's like you want to guess as many times as you can here because you're kind of like switching the information, the envelope around. Right. I mean, that's the only way to get information in this game is by guessing. Yeah. uh, You get to see what the answers used to be because then it's going to change as soon as you look at it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And your guess is what's on the table. Yeah. And their main decision point is uh, actually decided which of that information you're going to keep for yourself and which piece of that information you're going to share with everybody. And uh, yeah. put Hippie Hazel out, which will get me to beef, and go for broke. All right, broke it. Uh, you don't have it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I don't know, actually. Oh, sorry, beach? Oh, maybe, I don't know. Oh, I got rid of the wrong guy. I know, I did the same thing. <laughs> oh, I'm so up. stupid. Uh, uh, it was oh no my god, you would have had it! Tundra! Oh, Tundra. And what? Tundra. I, yes, I had it! I had the combination. I would have had it. I had it after Please, he Before she out. stole it from me, I had it. Oh. <laughs> you made a guess. Uh-huh. You meant to take out one clue to expose to everyone and leave a clue in the, and leave one of the clues in there undisturbed. Right. One of the clues that I had the answer for, but instead I revealed that clue, which made it no <laughs> longer one of the things that Sasquatch is characteristically. Oh, brutal. So uh, I just set myself back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't mess that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, the gear cards are interesting because they allow you certain functions that also give you certain, well... Uh, abilities to deduce things without having to necessarily make a guess and look in the envelope. For mm-hmm. example, the tranquilizer card allows you to take a card randomly from another player's hand. It could be something they've been saving because it's part of the right guess. Those ability cards seemed a little more uh, it's like, yeah, a little bit of a take that element where I don't know if it necessarily needed it in my opinion, but mm. but yeah, it's, it, it was there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I actually thought that the art was quite competent, uh, but the the card layout was distracting and didn't help with that staying focused on deduction because oddly they chose to put the type 
of card as the larger text on the card. So it just says land on the card that are lands instead of, and then underneath what kind of land it is. So you're Hmm. trying to isolate what kind of land the Sasquatch might be at. For example, desert, mountain, forest. But each card says land, desert. Land, mountain, land. And same thing with gear and guide. And I thought that was a mistake, really. It, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't draw your focus to where it should be. As a counterpoint to that, the rest of the card, like three quarters of the card is the actual picture that matches the other picture you're trying to match with. So if you don't know that forests are a land and not a piece of gear, I don't know how I can help you there. <laughs> right, exactly. So why bother say land? Yeah, don't, yeah almost don't need to, Yeah. <laughs> I think it's helpful for, you know, for really beginning gamers to just to know this type of card it is. This is a guide. That is a gear. And they have it right at the top for all the cards that are in your hand. I have to say, it was really visually arresting, that giant mm-hmm. word on the card. And even when it came to the other cards, the special cards called event cards. Do you guys remember mm-hmm. our issues with event cards in the game? Specifically. Right, but... Can I use it to cancel an event? Because it says cancel an action. So event has to count as an action. Event cards are played as an action during a player's turn. Except for drought, which can be played at any time. So it's not an action. Are they saying it's an action that can be played during other people's turns? Or are they saying that it's not an action? Because it can be read as except as... It says event cards are played as an action. Except that drought is not played as an action. It can be played at any time. Well, it says, but it accepts... The whole sentence. It doesn't accept part of the sentence. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it's except really, modifies. It's, yes. I don't know what Let it modifies. Let go with drought, cancel, drought. Counter card, counter card. Yeah. All right, fine. That's, it doesn't say. There are, you yeah. can't take two interpretations. What would Richard that Garfield that? say? Yeah. He would say cancel, I forgot. Okay, then that's it. There's a particular event called a drought. <laughs> a drought card, you can cancel any action of another player. Except for searching for Sasquatch. <laughs> now, the event cards can also be played at any time of the game. So let's say somebody did try to trank me mm-hmm. and take that card from me. I could event them with this drought and say, nope, cancel that action. Mm-hmm. The old counterspell. But, but then what happened when when the drought played off the other drought card? <laughs> it canceled. <laughs> it. it didn't have exactly clear rules on how to resolve that. Yeah. So we had to you know, kind of make it our, our own rule. Yeah, because it wasn't really clear whether just because you did it on somebody else's turn, does it still count as an action or what does it count as? Having something to counter another action always creates weird timing and problems and stuff like that. And for Mm -hmm. kind of a beginner's game, which this seemed like, that's kind of a heavy concept for that. Yeah, it is a little bit because I remember like old school magic, we had the difference between an instant and an interrupt. (laughs) <laughs> right oh wow. yeah and this game doesn't need that level of complication for sure <laughs> so uh when does this game end mike well it can end in in one of two ways somebody could actually guess correctly where the sasquatch is and who the guide and gear is or you can run out of cards and the sasquatch gets away and nobody wins yeah i i I don't know about that <laughs> because <laughs> if nobody wins, there's therefore there's sort of this impetus to try to help each other win, but it's not a co-op at the same time. <laughs> right. So is it better that everybody lose or just you lose and somebody else wins? It's kind of a weird yeah. way to think well, about it. How competitive it, are you? Yeah. Competitive like, hey, well, if I don't win, nobody wins. Or is it like, <laughs> hey, 
It'd be good if somebody gets them, but I prefer it for me. But, so what's you know. the opposite of king making when when you make everyone lose? It's yeah, uh, it's, uh, Joker uh, making. J- yeah. Jack, uh, yeah, Joker making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's interesting. I don't know. Uh, anarchy. Yeah, it's the opposite yeah. of king making. Bringing down the king. It's anarchy. Yeah. yeah okay. And, 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 right. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that hard to drive it toward that conclusion where no one wins. Like if everybody is keeping secret the same type of information, then nobody knows which of the six things it could be is that that information never gets more precise. Yeah. You need to walk at that point. The, maybe yeah. the one or two pieces of information you got. That's right. Right. So, yep. You just have to stay engaged the whole time. Try to read people the best you can and hope the right cards come out. And that's pretty much it. Okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury finding Sasquatch. Ed? This is a nice looking and colorful deduction game that was easy and quick to play. It's not a bad little game, but um, it ultimately isn't that interesting for me to explore again, so I'll leave Bigfoot alone and bury it for now. Mike? It had an interesting twist on the typical deduction game where you want to guess more often rather than being scared to guess, but there's not really enough else here to hold my interest, so I'm going to bury it. Evan? Finding Sasquatch, I thought it was a nice deduction game. It was easy to learn and easy to play, but it was hard to judge it on just one play. So for that reason, I'll dig it up again (laughs) and see if my unearthing was validated. Okay, okay. Well, the art mechanics were competent, no doubt. But the game overall lacked personality and charm. So for me, it was unmemorable. I'm afraid I'm going to have to bury it. So if you have thought about Bigfoot or you've seen him in the wild, let us know <laughs> on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> That's the best. With, with photographic proof, please. Yeah. Yes, bring photos. <laughs> we'll go on to big news with that one. Blurry photos, please. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Which game first is out and about? What is going on with us? Which Game First is live on Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Come and watch us learn a new game online from scratch. I wish we played it on Fridays because we, we could call it the Friday Night Fumble Through, which I really feel like <laughs> it often is. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, Friday we, Fumble. Okay, well, all right, we'll have to Friday work on night that fumble, one. Fumble, fumble, fumble. <laughs> you know, we should still do it on Thursday and call it the Friday Night Fumble anyway. Yes, why not? <laughs> <laughs> that is a fumble unto itself. Right. Exactly. When we're live, we're not just talking amongst each other, the four of us. We are interactive. We engage with you, the audience, as much as we do with each other. It's probably even a detriment to our victory, but hey, who cares? We're here to entertain you. Thursday nights, 7 o'clock Eastern, Which Game First is live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Join us at the virtual game table. Mikey G, what else is going on? Speaking of reaching out, all week I've been putting out invites to the other podcasters to come on our show and for us to join them on theirs. Yeah, that's right. I invited myself. Mm-hmm. So expect to hear some new voices on which game first and look for us out there in the wild. Yeah. And as always, patrons, thank you so, so much. If you want to become a patron of this show, it's so easy and it is a huge help to us and keeping this show going and keeping all these episodes coming. And you will get, as a patron, the exclusive podcast that we put out every week for our patrons only called Bonus Points, where we talk about just everything and anything, totally (laughs) random. I feel like we're getting even more random. 
We are. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Which is pretty fun. Uh, just go to our website, click on Become a Supporter today, guys. It's only three bucks a month. And if you can't uh, do that or are not inclined to do so, if you have time to just leave us a rating, a like, or a review anywhere, a review would be huge. We yeah. would deeply appreciate it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, if it's Amazon or Podcast Addict or whatever, that would be a huge help to us. We'd deeply appreciate it. And give us a shout out that you did it, you know, and and yeah. uh, we'll personally say thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah. You're thanks, everybody. Best. We love you. Our next game up this week is Carnival of Monsters, designed by Richard Garfield, published by... Amigo! Amigo! I feel like it deserves an explosion because it has this explosive background around its logo. Amigo! Amigo. (laughs) That's it, Mike. You got it. Number of players, two to five. Ages 12 and up. Playtime, 45 to 60 minutes. All right, Mikey. What's in the spooky, scary Carnival of Monsters box? The cover of the box shows a steampunkish collector of oddities adorned with the traditional top hat. He is showing an awestruck crowd his latest acquisition, a terrifying tentacled beast in its watery prison. When you look closer, you'll see a game board, 240 cards, 108 cardboard coins, 24 hunter tokens, 5 player boards, and 3 royal hunter dice. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we step on the sideshow stage with our monster overview... Evan, pull back the veil and reveal the rules. Carnival of Monsters is a card drafting game in which players try to collect sets of land cards so that they can capture and display strange and exotic monsters, hire talented staff to help run their enterprise, and pursue their own secret goals. (laughs) Start with eight cards in your hand. Take one and pass the deck accordingly. Some cards can be played immediately. Others stay in your captured card pile. It'll cost you one coin each time you choose to hold that card in your pile, so watch your funds. Choose monster cards worth victory points and special bonuses, but beware the dangerous monsters. They can cause some havoc. Also, choose the proper type of land cards to host the correct monster cards that you wish to display in your carnival. Each monster card has a value that cannot exceed the value of its land cards, so build up your land high enough to hold the monsters worth the most victory points. Points are awarded for displaying monsters, completing goals, and earning gold crowns over four seasons of play. In the end, the player with the most profitable and spectacular carnival is the winner-winner monster dinner. (laughs) Are they the monster's dinner? Is that what you're saying? Well, Uh, you could be the monster dinner if you're not careful. Someone's got to feed those monsters. That's true. There is some danger. Okay, so... It's a Richard Garfield game. Yeah. And where where do we know that name from, for mm-hmm. those of us who are perhaps less familiar? The Cat that mm-hmm. Likes Lasagna? Yeah. Yep, some people yep. might know uh, something about, like, Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah, or, right, right, Magic right, the right, Gathering. Right. I've heard of that game. Oh, or maybe King of Tokyo or something like that, right? Yes, it's a Richard Garfield game. What should we expect from a Richard Garfield game? Uh, the art was, well, fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> says the fan. Yeah. It's, it, is, it was fantastical, certainly. Yeah, it's got this like deep colored fantasy art and each one of the different types of terrain kind of has a fully different feel to it. Right. There's a different artist for each setting. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So the dark know. lands, the airy, the forest, the caves, the depths, the dreamland, they each have their own specific artists, uh-huh. which I thought I thought was very well, very clever to do, yeah. to really give a different set setting feel yeah. to it. Yeah, because uh, each type of land in Manta, because it's done by the same artist, had a very cohesive feel to it. Mm-hmm. And the artists, I think, went all out here. This is top-notch fantasy art. It is Magic the Gathering level art, Yes. It's the highest quality art. I think they definitely did a good job too. Even though each land has its own unique look, it doesn't. They don't look so far from each other where it doesn't look like it belongs in the same game. So good point. Yeah, agreed. Very good point. Except the cover art, right? <laughs> the cover art yeah. I thought was a little clunky in comparison. On the cover, they put the main center graphic, which is a little bit Euro gamey looking. In the style yes, of the faces. the faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people mm-hmm. and the hands, they're a little bit off and sort of expressionless, you know, or benign looking. And then they put the pictures from cards, actual monster art around it. Right. Uh, and it, to me, it almost feels like they were trying to dress up the cover. Hmm. Maybe, because I feel like you're right that especially with the detail and the characters on the cover art, mm-hmm. it, it looks a lot less detailed and even the color depth and uh, saturation looks different between the big picture yeah. and the little art card art pictures mm-hmm. yeah it seems like the cover art was done like either well before or well after the monster cards were done because <laughs> it seems like they didn't have the same art director for them yeah almost yeah <laughs> yeah yeah how did the card drafting work how did it feel to you guys fun <laughs> it was a classic you know card drafting game if you played seven wonders or any other drafting game he's like yeah i gotta pick one of these and pass the rest to somebody else and you know that starting opening hand that you get kind of starts to determine your strategy a little bit Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you know you're picking the best card out of the ones you saw and then you're hoping nobody chose the same kind of path you did so that all the good cards you need will get passed to you right i'm sure i'm not the only one that looked at the take the card and also looks at the 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 Hmm, which one of these might make it back to me? Exactly. Yeah, of course. Yes, because you get to see it twice, that hand. Yeah, and as the game goes on, you can kind of figure out a little bit better how that might work. But in turn one, you have no idea what people are looking for. Right, you know, it's kind of a guess. But it is interesting that you're keeping an eye on other people to see what they're drafting. So you get an idea what might make it around and what might not. (laughs) <laughs> right. So people who are drafting and let's say they choose a land card, they're going to put that land card down there. I know that Ed's going for the caves, for example. Yep. Mm-hmm. So maybe when I get if I looking, OK, maybe I don't maybe I'm not going to choose a, a cave monster. Therefore, if Ed's going to start eating up all the cave land cards, because I won't have a cool you know, I won't have enough land to put my cool cave monster in. So I'll mm-hmm. go a different route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, too, though, I, I there's something I like to call the pain of passing. It's when you get a handful of cards that are all awesome for the next person over and none of them really works for you. So now you have to go, OK. If none of them are going to be great for me, how am I going to hurt the next person the most? <laughs> like, what am I going to keep? <laughs> but this game penalizes you a little bit for that because if you keep a card and don't put it out right away, like let's say it's a monster or something, and mm-hmm. you can't can't take care of it yet, you have to pay one of your coins to hold it in your little holding cell. Yes, yep. interesting. You only have to pay it one. Mm-hmm. So, but no, obviously, if you never play that game the whole time, that's uh, in a sense a wasted turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there are no wastes in this game, which is something I really liked. You you have to choose a card, mm-hmm. and if and you have to pay for one if you're going to put it in your holding 
area. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any money left to do that, that's okay. Take a no loan. Problem. Ah, no, here at the bank. No loans. No. <laughs> Just take a loan. No uh, problem. Ouch. Oh yeah. What? <laughs> well, you, well, you, well, you want you more than one loan? That's all right. We sell loans in the three pack as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Triple it. Triple your debt. Th- you get three coins, but it's minus five points, and a coin equals a point at yeah. the end of the game. So you're and great. you do not have the option of paying the loans back in any way. No, so nope. you're stuck with negative points yep. for yep. loans. That's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. And it and it is weird to call it a loan when you can't pay it back. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It, it should true. have been called something else. I found hints throughout this game of it sort of not being quite finished in development. To me. <laughs> like stuff like that, just sort of a a badly pinned on name or in Evan, as Evan was saying, um, he couldn't find out what that holding place was called for monsters because they just didn't name it. You know, it was just like the pen or whatever. Yeah, the other parts of the board and things all had names, but the the place where you have your captured card pile was just your captured card pile. Yeah, yep. So that could have used a clever name, yeah. Yeah, especially since they went with the theme of naming the other parts, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was just missing then. Oh, and how about this element of lands Mm -hmm. reminding us of magic, Ed? What I like is all the lands were on the landscape you know, version of the cards. So you can tell that they're very different from your monsters. And it is you know, just kind of like magic. You have your lands out and then you use it as almost like mana to be able to capture monsters. Okay, I don't know if uh, I'm being too harsh, but it did seem a bit too much of a rehash of another, you know, of another Richard Garfield game. Um in, in its mechanic, I think it could have been a little bit fresher in some way. Just some. Well, that's no problem for someone like me who never played that other game that you're not talking about. <laughs> right. You played, you played once. You played. <laughs> yes, I, only recently once. There is there are an, I thought there were enough differences at least in in the way it worked, but yeah, they didn't necessarily need to be called lands. But in my head, I was referring to them as mana because you use them up as the turn goes on, and then mm-hmm. they refresh themselves on the next turn. But it's cool that. It's a draft, and those cards are also included in the draft. So as they come by, you know, you kind of want to grab some of them and have them out in front of you so you can do other stuff like fight the monsters. Yeah, you have a tough choice in some of those because, no, I want to put this monster out, but I don't have the land for it yet. So do I take that land? No, it could be useful for later. Or do I take that monster and hope I get the right land to play it later? Yeah, and it's easy to stack up too much land in your hand because you don't want to be left out on other things at least for me i that's the feeling i got i'm like i just want to take one more land just to be sure i can do that cool thing when it comes around all right uh so are all the monsters the same evan oh goodness no some (laughs) monsters are cute and cuddly and wouldn't hurt a fly others Mm. are dangerous ravaging beasts that will eat you in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. those are denoted with a special mark you know a set of like teeth fangs essentially Uh and if you're going to start putting those monsters out you got to be you got to take extra precautions and this is where Uh the dice rolling mechanic of the game comes in player rolls dice to determine how well caged or how well penned up and under control they can keep this monster without enough cage points to keep that dangerous monster's bite attack away, then, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, then you'll be okay if you roll enough cage. But if you don't have enough cage, then the monster's going to get out and do some damage. Right now, I might have eaten a a few citizens. And, of course, the the Empire kind enough to to levy a fee for the... uh, 
the um, uh, compensation. Yeah, yeah <laughs> cost you money yeah. basically. And it, yeah. there's yeah. a pool of dice. It's basically two dice that one person will roll, and that counts as the basic cage number for that round. And it gets mm-hmm. rolled at the end of the round, so you don't know what it's going to be. And those dice don't all have numbers on them. Some of them are. Some of the sides are blank. Some of the sides have one, and I think one side has two on it. But right. yeah, each each cube, each six sided die has a one, a two, and four zeros. <laughs> right. So, so you can Roll put out a well. whole lot of very dangerous guys and hope the royal catcher take care of it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a luck, dangerous hoping move. Luck is on your side. Brutal, <laughs> but it's okay. If you need more money to pay for that damage, take a loan. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Take sure. another loan. This is wait, it. Wait, I have to keep this, right? This. Yeah, no, I'm not rolling after that one I rolled last Dude, time. Dude, you're the there, one who has the most. Who rolled the most? Ed, give it to Ed. Ed's the best with dice. Give you it to sure? Ed. sure? No. Now we'll roll it. We could, there's another option. There are three dice. One, in the, each of the three of us could roll one. It's up to you. I hate dice being rolled individually. They're so bad. Yes, if each of you take a die, then I can blame you when I get yes. <laughs> <laughs> like That's a good solution. All right, Celeste. I have the one that's potentially two or yeah. one here. Uh, oh, they're all two, oh, they're right? They're all two. One. two they're double on these. There you go. Two. Mikey. Be mad at Ed. Be mad at Ed. Be mad at Ed. How come you guys roll at the same time? We're supposed to roll at the same time. I did all Mike, you are. I gained one crown because I had a monster. There are other cards besides lands and monsters that get passed around as well. Some of them will give you an extra cage point. They can use that turn. It's like a temporary point. Or some of them give you a secret quest. (gasps) Secrets. Secrets. One of the land types, the dream lands, was tougher to play than the other ones, right? Well, they had a slight rule variation. There could be a little bit um confusion sometimes because the the Dreamland monsters can be captured in any land. They're just fantasy Dreamland monsters. But the Dreamland, the actual land, could only catch Dreamland. They can't catch other monsters. So kind of have like the monsters were like kind of wild, but the lands themselves were not. Right. It was a little bit confusing. I don't think it was very necessary either to have that little variation there. It didn't really change the game much to add as much confusion as it added. And then it comes time to score. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a little bit convoluted, right? They got a big fancy score pad for this. They have a big score pad. I don't know if it was convoluted, but there was a lot of stuff to add up. So they gave you a nifty handy dandy pad to keep track of it all. (laughs) But I'd say that the icons were not 100% intuitive. We had to look Mm -hmm. a couple of them up. (laughs) It's like, uh, what is this score now? Oh, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, they were probably trying to be language independent with the pad, but yeah. Mm. I'm noticing scoring pads, though, more and more in games, that's for sure. They're making a comeback. Golf pencil, uh, invest in golf pencils, everybody. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, Golf mm -hmm. pencils' futures are up. Hot tip. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Carnival of Monsters. Ed? A fun drafting game with great art and a touch of pushing your luck. I'll dig this up for another day of monster hunting. Evan? Carnival of Monsters has some really great mechanics and artwork, and there's so many decisions you make with every card drafted and played that it keeps you engaged, really, from the first turn right to the end. Lots of reasons to dig it up. Mike? Some of the mechanics had a nice familiar feel. I like the look of this game, and I'm totally a sucker for a good draft, and this was a pretty good one, so I have to say dig it up. (laughs) 
Well, there's certainly better Richard Garfield games out there than this one. Netrunner, King of Tokyo, Keyforge come to mind, just to name a few. Uh, most things about this game seemed curiously underdeveloped to me. The theme, uh, where was the actual carnival in this carnival of monsters? <laughs> it was the, a carnival of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. We needed to role play that part maybe, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. it was totally non-existent. The mm. thin mechanics, they were a little light. The card layout, even the cover design lacked polish. Not sure if this was rushed or what, but it was not up to his standards or mine. So I'll have to bury it. So if you have a menagerie of monsters you like to show off, show us on Instagram or tweet us about it on the Twitter. We are at Which Game First. <laughs> tweet us about it on the Twitter. On the Twitter. <laughs> I the love Twitter it. bot. Our last game up this week is Stone Age, designed by Bernd Bernhofer, published by Hansem Gluck and Rio Grande Games in 2008. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 10 and up, playtime 60 to 90 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box takes us back to the Stone Age, where we find a rough, leather-clad couple climbing to hunt and gather atop a hill, overlooking their thriving prehistoric village. Inside, we find a game board, four player boards, 68 wooden resources, 40 wooden figures, 8 markers, 53 food tokens, 28 building tiles, 18 tool tiles, 1 first player token, 36 civilization cards, seven dice, and a sweet and smelly leather dice cup. Oh, yeah. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we find out if this game is a woolly mammoth feast or a stone cudgel to the temple, Evan, grunt us out some rules. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. That's the rules. <laughs> stone Age worker placement game. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Stone Age is a worker placement game set in the time of village-dwelling humans of the late Stone Age. Let's get that correct. Yeah, it, this looks idyllic, this little village that they're in <laughs> yeah. on the cover. No, I, I mean, there. this is not exactly two million years ago Stone Age. This is yeah. This is like, you know, end of the Stone Age 70,000 years ago. <laughs> Bronze Age on the, on the horizon. Yep. So <clears throat> use your workers to collect wood, break stone, and wash the gold from the river. Build up your tools along the way to help your yields. Don't forget to place your workers on the valuable civilization cards to release bonus points, money, and special <laughs> abilities. And of course, use the Procreation Hut to release more workers. <laughs> How effective were your workers in getting resources? Roll the dice to find out. Don't forget the need for feed. <laughs> feed your workers. It costs money to yeah. feed them. So turn those raw goods into coins so you can purchase enough food to keep your workforce going. Players also collect victory points from building cards, which you get for turning in specific sets of resources. The most victory points wins the game and becomes the modern Stone Age family. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> oh, I saw what you did there. <laughs> I mean, this is really nice, this village. Yes. There's people coming down the river in a really nice decked out boat. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what? A canoe, is yep. this what the Stone Age was really like? It's pretty chill. It looks like what Not they have really. like rehab uh, <laughs> sites for now, you know, like 
grass <laughs> right. huts and like exactly. nice escape, yeah. the, escape the hustle and bustle. <laughs> right. Have Gotta a paleo the, diet that over roof the weekend. Cottages. That's roof cottages. <laughs> Burninate. <laughs> yeah, this village would burninate very quickly. It is all made out of straw and wood. It would not fire friendly, that's for sure. <laughs> so this game is almost in the stone age of games as far as when it was produced all the way back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ed, is this con- is this considered somewhat of a classic? I consider it. It's like to me it's one of those classic worker placement games. It's mm-hmm. kind of you no, know, relatively light for the Euros and then it's a lot of dice rolling which is a little bit different than a Euro game. Oh, yeah. So it had a, a little bit of a niche of its own. Mhm. Mm-hmm. When we were playing it on Board Game Arena, one of the watchers said, how can you play this game without the stinky leather cup? <laughs> I know. It is so true. Uh, that commenter, uh, McKean, mentioned it, and I was like, yep, yeah, that uh, cup definitely smells, and it's classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nostalgia, <laughs> the smell of nostalgia. We all got to take a whiff, right, Evan, at Ed's house? We did. I haven't smelled leather like that since my last LARP. <laughs> yeah, it's like bracer material, True. right? <laughs> exactly. You said, Ed, that it it has worker placement, but also quite a bit of push your luck. Yeah, because you know, the dice determine how many resources you get. So the more workers you put somewhere, the more dice you have, and the better the result, the more stuff you get. But some of the stuff is a little hard to get, like gold, for example. Mm-hmm. You needed like a, what was that, a five or a six, six, six. To, to get. And he's like, well, two workers, I should get it most of the time, right? And Mikey, when does it get too risky for you? <laughs> well, if you're trying to build something that requires gold, let's just say, and mm-hmm. you put two workers on the gold because you're sure that a dice will add up to at least six because seven is the most average roll on the dice. And <laughs> then right. mm-hmm. you roll two ones and you get no gold. Then you don't have the gold to build that building you wanted to build. So it tanks the rest of that turn. <laughs> it's, you got to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> all right the rolls have got to go my way people <laughs> i have got to go my way right. you are you are spread out man you just send that one dude he must be like go. an expert <laughs> he's so good you got your one brick okay i did all right fingers yes yeah yes. Yes. one wood you got your wood now here's your hunter come on that word. Yes! Oh, wow! Yes! Wow! Yes! Gold. You are so lucky. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. That was so lucky. the opposite of Mikey right there. Yeah. <laughs> I put two. I put my guy on the resource. I had two dice plus one. <laughs> Zero. Can't get a five. There's other stuff going on too, right? Hmm. Specialty cards? What is it? They're the sh- I think the village probably like the, the hot place in the, in the board because it's usually the first thing to go is one of the three buildings in the center. Now, the tool hut where you get tools, the uh, agriculture thing where you can learn how to farm and get food every turn for free. Mm-hmm. What? Or, well, we could call it the procreation hut or the love shack. The shake whatever. shack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If the huts are rocking, yep. don't come in. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get extra workers, which you have to feed. So now you're like, oh, I want mm-hmm. more workers or I want more food so I can feed these workers. It was or, a balance. It was yeah. a balance because yeah. I just decided to live a chaste life and never go to the <laughs> procreation hut and just uh, keep my original five, the OG mm-hmm. stone men. 
So <laughs> I uh, and I never really had to worry about food. Well, I picked a cultural kind of path, though, that made me get extra bonus points at the end of the game for having more people on the board. So I procreated all the way up to 10 workers. Yeah. By the end. Wow. I was doing the same thing except for tools because I had the bonus card that gets me extra points for more tools. So I went for tools every chance I got. Plus, I like being able to tweak the result. Oh, I got an 11. If I got a 12, well, hey, one more point. That's a 12 to go. Ching. It's interesting how the different resources come in because you have the, the easier resources start off at 2 so if you roll two food, dice and you example. get 12, you get six food for that. And I was really impressed with Celeste's rolling because she had the small squad. So she was just sending one person out hunting and you come back with a smorgasbord. Like, <laughs> I <"What?"> know. <laughs> Travel lean, light, and fast. Mm-hmm, that's right. But you, see, I, you send those big hunting parties, the animals are going to see them coming and run. <laughs> one little sniper. It's a little scary, too, though, because if you don't feed all your people with food, then you're feeding them extra resources that you've mm-hmm. gathered earlier, like wood mm-hmm. or you know stone or even gold, if you don't have any uh, of those things to feed. I know. I assume the theme means you're actually trading those items to get food, not nope. actually feeding your people wood. My people were eating no, gold. No, you're, you're trading down for food. But yeah, they actually say that you are in the world. So. No way. My people were actually eating the gold leaf. Eating the gold. <laughs> wow. So my Great great grandfather tells me he ate wood, you know, and he liked it as a kid. I, I might have to take him for his word for that. <laughs> right. Um, what was neat about this, getting back to the cards for a bit, is that there were circles on the cards, meaning that the, the cards were places to place your workers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had to, yeah, so you had to claim your cards. And not all cards are created equal because some of those civilization advancement cards. Uh, were more were more expensive than others. There's a position that cost you one, one cost you two, cost you three, and cost you four. If something you really wanted to go after cost you four, mm, you may not, you know, you may have to want to wait until that thing slides down to the one position. Right. Yeah, but if you wait that long, will it still be there? That's the risk. Mm-hmm. Push pull. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I love that little push pull. And the other thing, the building there, there's a bunch of buildings. Ready to be built every turn if you have the right resources and score points. Simple. Mm-hmm. They're big points too, but they're pretty expensive and they don't really get, kick back any good stuff to you. They just sit there and they are worth victory points and that's it. That's right. Yeah. They don't yield extra tools for you or give you any kinds of real bonuses per se. They're just straight up victory points mm-hmm. for the resources. Yep. Yeah, I think Ed had a good strategy of stacking up all the different civilization cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Because not only was he accumulating tools, but also there's a symbol at the bottom of the card. And if you get certain sets of those symbols, you get a lot of bonus points for that, too. Yeah, and you get little abilities with each one. So like, hey, I got one of those civilization cards and it came with a, a nice amount of food. And so instead of going hunting, I went and got this civilization card, which maybe at that time was only worth a couple of victory points. But the seven food was certainly worth going mm-hmm. for. Yep. And that one landed right in the one position for you, too. So you got it real cheap. Yeah, I did. People weren't... Were, at those early games where people were still trying to get the... Like, oh, I want the gold or I want as much stone as I can get. Mm-hmm. And and I noticed that I didn't really have an, uh, an extra dude. I didn't know where to stick him. So, well... I mean, I mean, hey, food is good, too. I mean, yeah, but so, if the like, love hut's available, you know, that's tempting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> got, I was all about like, workers. My turn. Go get the love hut. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, well, like Celeste kind of alluded to it, you know, the more workers you have, the more people you got to feed. So you end up sending some extra ones. Yeah, you, the more workers you're sending to feed the workers. So mm-hmm. it's, it's such a delicate balance of, well, am I just going to end up sending all the extra workers I have over to get more food? <laughs> what do I do there? Right, yeah. Yeah, also there was no mechanic in this game to break down your components. In other words, you couldn't turn gold into a couple of rocks or rocks into bricks or bricks into wood, which I've seen in other games, which I I like, but there was no opportunity Mm -hmm. for that here. That would be kind of cool, a trading hut. And the nice thing about the component, the physical components in the game, as opposed to the board game geek version, is that each component has a different shape, which is cool. They they had the, the wood looked like logs, and they got the... The bricks and then the, the octagonal you know, stone. Uh, stones. So having a different shape for each resource was kind of nice for back in the day. Right. And the lack of trading, Evan, might be because this game is so old. It's the early mm. days Could of this be. type of game. Yeah. Could be. I mean, they had settlers where trading was uh, no, a, a facet of the game. I guess this, tra- this wasn't like, hey, I'll trade you wood for stone. <laughs> no, right. that's the other right. game. Yeah. Just look, if you, had to, if you had to feed your people, you know, wood and stuff, better to feed them wood than gold. You don't have that option if gold's all you got. That mm-hmm. happened to me once, yeah. I rolled really poorly on my hunting, and uh, I ended up having to feed a gold brick to my people. It was really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Gather around, everyone. Who wants a slice of gold? Mm, I'm still hungry. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Stone Age. Evan? Stone Age is a classic worker placement game. The rolling of dice adds an element of urgency when deciding where those valuable workers must go. As usual, there's lots of paths to victory, tons of replayability, and as far as worker placements go, this is one of the easier ones to grasp. Dig it up. Mike? Anytime a game makes me imagine a different strategy next time I play, leads me to believe I'm going to play it again. So for that reason, I'll dig it up. Ed? Uh, I fondly remember the smelly leather cup for rolling <laughs> dice. <laughs> and this offers a good entry in a worker placement game as you strive to get resources and build more stuff. Yay! <laughs> so I'll head back to the Stone Age They dig this up once again. You're going to hate this, Ed. Well, Paleo added a lot more passion and poetry to the theme of prehistoric survival. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a sturdy, if dull, version of a worker placement game. But unless you really want to play one with this specific theme of Stone Age, I'd say go with a stronger entry like and a more modern entry like Everdell or Zulkin. So in that case, for worker placement, I'm going to have to bury it. If you had thought about the Stone Age, go gather up your rocks and bring it to the Facebook and tell us about it. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing from you and hearing about all the game playing you're doing. If you'd like more perks and content from us, including our exclusive patron-only podcast... Bonus points. Bonus points. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. And if you get a chance, what would really help us would be a like, a rating, especially a review. Get out there. Write a couple sentences. We'd really appreciate it. Happy gaming, explorers. Me place workers. Go and capture that monster for me. It won't bite too much. All I want is a rack of ribs so big it knocks my car over. 